don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Storytimes. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And we're back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Michelle to say something. She didn't have I didn't have anything. My brain's empty today, as Same. always. I love how I say, my brain's empty today. It's always empty. It's always empty. There's nothing up there. It's hollow. Nope. Basically. <laughs> so today, I'm going to be doing another, uh, I almost said story time, another true crime episode. Um, our og story time girl though i know (laughs) um i'm gonna cover the murder of the lion sisters right yeah it's 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 (laughs) that was so stupid that was a dumb joke sorry (laughs) oh i get it lion oh my gosh lions don't even sound like that (laughs) no they don't so do you have anything to add michelle before i just go ahead and get into it um leave us a review please that's it leave us a review or a rating at least anywhere you're listening I, if you're listening to me right now you're already there so yeah, just so leave the review go into while you're still listening to us just go in onto our page and i'm sure if you scroll down it'll say like would you like to leave a review and then you click yes and then you rate us yep. and it's that easy yep Look, you could already be done by now um <laughs> we still haven't <laughs> updated our patreon like we need to but we'll get there. Yeah. So. But um, if you would like to. There are some bonus episodes already on there. We just need to update. So. There's lots of stuff on there. Not just bonus episodes. There's notes. There's like two mukbangs or something like that. So if you want to go subscribe to us on Patreon. Go ahead. Go do that. Up to you. If you want to hear more of our blabbering and banter. Follow us wherever you're at right now. Yeah. We um, are trying to get better at posting on our social medias yeah so our links to all of our profiles will be in the link tree in the show notes yep you can so find even though on... sometimes i forget to put it in there and then i go back like a week later and then i'm like oh yeah yeah the link tree <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on instagram twitter facebook, facebook pretty TikTok. much anywhere yeah you we just... need to post more on tiktok yeah tiktoks are hard they are tiktoks are kind of hard but if you just search true crimes and story times i'm sure you can find us for sure if not the links will be below Uh uh-huh and we're gonna post more yeah so we both just need to start posting separately too yeah but we just i feel like we're so busy we are busy we both work Mm full-time and michelle's getting ready to go to school yep and i'm a mom Mm -hmm. it takes up a lot of time i mean yeah for sure we love doing this we love doing the podcast yeah that's why we do it we do it for fun to well, I mean, you know, listening to murders isn't always fun, but I mean, it's interesting. We, it's interesting to us, and it's something that we, I guess you could say, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, the story, the buildup, mm-hmm. the whatever, like, and especially some of these cases where, like, the boys on the tracks, for instance, where I feel like it doesn't have enough coverage. It doesn't and get it, enough light on the case. It needs more. It needs to be solved, and. That's kind of where I feel like we get our initiative from, mm-hmm. like, you know. In that case, just 
that case specifically just snowballed into so much more mm-hmm. than two boys that were found dead on the tr- on railroad tracks and i think yeah. that's what really intrigues me is how much can be behind a murder or For a sure. death the mm-hmm. the everything behind it yeah i and also think go sorry ahead. i also think when i was young i really wanted to like go into criminal justice or like csi or something mm-hmm. like that i just never pursued it mm-hmm. and i think this is like my way of kind of getting a little bit into it yeah i agree with that without statement. going through all yeah. the schooling and stuff like that. well i've always been interested in mystery and mm-hmm. murder like i i watch criminal minds i know that doesn't say much but that was like one of my favorite shows oh, for, for like sure. the longest time what did you see criminal minds is coming out yes with another season? i saw that oh my gosh i have to catch up anyways Me too. i haven't watched the last two seasons anyway sorry um i just feel like that has i've always had an interest in like mystery and murder and things like that all things weird and morbid i suppose you could say morbid and so it's just like yeah that's yeah. just where we're at with that yeah. sorry we went on a weird tangent i don't know where we were going but anyway that's where we ended <laughs> yeah let's just get into this case okay let's go um today we're going to talk about katherine and sheila Lyon. They were sisters who were born to John and Mary Lyon in Kensington, Maryland. They also had an older brother whose name was Jay. Okay. Their father, John, was a very well-known radio show host for WMAO, which was a local radio station in their area. That's cool. I think that's pretty cool. To Mm -hmm. be a radio show host? I think that's a dying um, job, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know anyone who listens to the radio. I only listen to the radio if, like, my phone is on the verge of dying and I can't connect my Bluetooth to listen to music I would podcast. rather listen to silence than listen to the radio, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. All there is around here is a bunch of fucking country stations. No no offense if you like country, but I'm not a country girl. Mm-mm. I don't like listening to that music, so Mm-mm. I just can't. That's all there is around here is, like, country stations. And then there's one pop station that plays the same songs over and over and over and over and over again, so yeah yeah cool job but i would not want it because you have to listen to that stuff yeah so anyway on march 25th in 1975 at around 11 a.m to noon it's not really sure like what exact time it was Mm -hmm. Catherine and sheila left their house to walk to the wheaton plaza shopping mall to see the easter exhibits that they had they had Easter exhibits. I guess shop so. Them? They don't do that anymore. I'm guessing it's equivalent to like now you would go see like the Easter Bunny. Oh yeah, I guess they used to have that at the mall. Yeah, they have that at malls around here. Mm-hmm. I'm, don't they? I don't have kids. I yeah, they do. But I know we used to take my little brothers. So they do like the Easter Bunny and like Santa. And stuff to be like real that. with you, I do have a little quick story. Um, one time I went to go see Santa, and his breath smelled like straight alcohol. Oof yikes yeah and i was like i'm ready to get out of here yeah and that was the last time michelle ever went to see santa actually i think it was for real (laughs) i was like i'm not going back (laughs) so at this time Catherine was 10 years old and sheila was 12 years old so still pretty young but this was in the 70s i miss being 10 and 12 sometimes so like them walking down the road to the mall Mm -hmm. wasn't a huge deal the plaza was like a half a mile away from their house also this is 1975 right so it's like not a huge deal yeah um they had planned on eating at a pizza restaurant at the shopping plaza called the orange bowl while they were out Hmm. when they left their mother told them they needed to be back by four because they had easter plans that evening oh okay 
So at 1 p.m., a neighborhood child saw both of the girls outside of the Orange Bowl where they were going to get pizza. Okay. But they were talking to a man who was about six feet tall and like 50 to 60 years old wearing a brown suit. (laughs) A brown suit? What a disgrace. I'm sorry. I don't like brown suits. I don't like the color brown at all. It's just not my... It's it's not really my cup of tea either, unless it's like a dark, rich brown. I really love dark, rich browns. I can take those. They look really good paired with black. Oh, no. Oh, you've lost me. Oh, no, no. Brown and black do not match. Bro, yes, they do. It's like one of the biggest fashion statements of all time. Not my fashion statement. Brown and black do match. That's like wearing black and navy blue together. That also matches. (laughs) Bro, you're tripping. You need to you're look up some... Tripping. No, no, no. I work at a place that does interior design. You're tripping. You're it, tripping. No. If it's like a tan and a black, okay. No. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take a fucking tan and black. It has to be like a rich brown. Like, it can't be a tan to me. Like if a chocolate brown. Yes. Like and a black? Cr- yes. If like If it's like a cream... And that that doesn't go with black because it just makes it look yellow. You know what I'm saying? Like tans and creams really go together well, but black and like a dark chocolate rich brown. Mm. And you you wear navy blue and black together. I don't personally. Okay. Bruh, my Imagine. living room no, has navy blue curtains right now, mm-hmm. and we have a gray couch and we have black accents in our living room. Okay, no, listen, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about clothing. I'm talking about wearing it. If I'm wearing a solid black pair of shoes, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna wear navy blue socks no why would you do that if you would wear black you would uh, listen you could wear a black pair of shoes and a navy pair of pants and like a black shirt i think that's acceptable or black shoes black pants navy shirt that also is acceptable you're tripping bro not my cup of tea now i never wear brown i'm not saying i wear brown i don't i'm saying it looks good as an interior sorry my brain is like in a different world yeah i'm talking about clothing i'm talking about like interior design i'm not even talking about clothes. that's different like your living room how it's got all the colors looks good i'm talking about clothing yeah i'm talking true. i will not wear a, i wouldn't wear a dark brown shirt or anything i like would that. not wear a black pair of pants with a brown or a navy blue shirt navy blue acceptable navy brown blue, no navy blue is too close i to do black. like browns but i like browns more with white if i'm wearing it now, if I was wearing, like, a dark brown, like, sweater with black pants, I think that's acceptable. Because I have a dark brown jacket that I wear during the winter time. It's, like, a winter coat with black pants all the time, and it looks just fine. I guess it depends on the brown. But, like, See, navy blue. If it's, like, tan. I'm not a navy blue person either. I'm going to just be upfront and honest. But I think navy blue looks fine if you're wearing it. Now, why are we having this whole fucking tangent? whole ass I'm sorry, <laughs> fashion people. conversation when we have... No, I mean, you have experience in interior design. I wanted to be an interior designer for a while. Mm -hmm. And I used to watch hella videos about interior design Mm -hmm. and stuff. So, like... So, at 2 p.m., the girl's older brother saw them eating pizza at the Orange Bowl, just like they had planned. And then at 3 p.m., a friend of the girl saw them walking down a street near the mall towards their house. Okay, so they actually made it to the mall. Made it to the mall. And they were... Was eating... And now they're on their way. Okay. That is the last time they will have been seen, is on their way home from the mall. That's sad. At 4 p.m., they had not returned home yet. Mm -hmm. Remember, their mom said, be home by 4 because we have plans. Yeah. And it was 4 and they had not returned. 
So she kind of gave him a while. Like, maybe they got sidetracked. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, I don't know, was looking at something. Yeah. So she waited a while. And then at 7 p.m., the police were called and a search and investigation began because the girls had not been seen or heard from. I would have been calling at 4.30. <laughs> Especially since the mall's so close to their house. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm not in this situation. Also, this was the 1970s. Yeah. Again. The man that the girls were talking to outside of the Orange Bowl became a prime suspect in this case. And two composite sketches were made of the man. Okay. There were many reports made from several people claiming they recognized the sketch of the man with the briefcase. He was said to have been seen at the Marlow Heights Shopping Center in Iverson Mall, both located in Prince George County, Maryland. Hmm. So he was seen at another mall, two other malls. So he is watching these malls with these kids and the people that made the reports said that he had approached several young girls and asked them to read and record an answering machine message off of an index card and into a microphone that he all had in his briefcase. Weird. Yes. So there's just this tall man carrying a briefcase and a microphone walking around to these girls being like, hey, can you record this message for me? Answering machine message. Wow. Yeah. Weird. That's so old. Yeah. After their disappearance, a friend of the sisters said that she had seen a long-haired man at the mall staring at the girls for so long that she confronted him about it. Hmm. Like, she thought it was weird. So yeah. So, she had to, like... Obviously. Be like, hey, like, why are you staring at them? She said he was a white man, late teens or early 20s, acne on his face, scar on his left cheek, and was sloppily dressed. I mean, honestly, he may have just been another creep. Yeah. So a sketch was made, but this man was not looked into too much because it was the complete opposite of what the other suspect looked like. A well-groomed, conservatively dressed man who was later labeled as the tape recorder man. They were also several de- several decades apart in age. Were they working together? So like the, the older man was like 50s to 60s. This guy was like 20s. Right. And so, we've seen duos like that before. Yeah. It's nothing new. So it's just like very opposite. Mm-hmm. Very weird that they're getting two suspects that are completely opposite. But honestly, if they were seen walking home, it could have been either one. Mm-hmm. So it should have been searched, looked into both. Right. Just because the tape recorder man was said more doesn't mean that the other thing shouldn't have been looked into either. I think it was because the tape, tape recorder man actually interacted with the girls. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, but... And the other guy was just, like, looking... But he was, like, intently staring at exactly. the girls. So, it's, like, it doesn't matter necessarily if they interact or not. They could still... Right. They, he could have interacted with them down the street after nobody was watching them. Right. So, weeks passed and no one had seen the girls or heard from them or had any leads. Numerous volunteer groups searched nearby vacant lots and stores dream beds and found not a single trace of the girls that's crazy could not find a thing on may 23rd 1975 so this was like a month later mm-hmm. or march april two months later maryland lieutenant <laughs> just i know i had thing. to count She's a, march april but, oh. <laughs> maryland lieutenant governor blair lee ordered 122 national guardsmen to participate in a search through a montgomery county forest for the lion sisters so like they're really going above and beyond yeah. to try and find these girls mm-hmm. 
I feel like we don't see that nowadays. Yeah, we do. Do we? What about the Gabby Petito case? You're right. You're Just right. recently. You're right. Just saying. I didn't think about that. Isn't her last name Petito? Yeah. Okay. But that was a very widely covered case. Yeah, exactly. That's like, why... Like, over the whole country. Over the whole world, really. I know. And that's why she had so much support and so much right. search. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cases I feel like that I've seen like that. But a lot of times, it's white women. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's... It's a hit and miss with, yeah. like, investigations and stuff. For sure. So, still, after the National Guardsman was looking for them, nothing was found. Okay. On April 7th, 1975, about two weeks after their disappearance, a witness in Manassas, Virginia, I hope I said that right. That sounds right. Reported seeing two girls that looked like they may have been Catherine and Sheila in the back of a beige 1968 Ford station wagon hmm. that had a Maryland plate with the combination license plate DMT-6 and the last two are unknown. The last okay. two digits are unknown. Because it was, like, kind of bent. Okay. Um, the witness stated that the girls were bound and gagged in the vehicle. Yikes. The driver of the vehicle resembled the man in the sketch that was the prime suspect, the uh, tape recorder man. The witness claimed the driver of the vehicle saw them following him and ran a red light and sped west on Route 234 towards Interstate 66 in Virginia. Okay. I have no idea where that's at, but if you're from that area, maybe you will. Yeah, I don't know either. I've never been to Virginia, so. Oh, wait. I went through Virginia. I went I went to Washington, D.C., which is through Virginia, ain't it? I think. Isn't it, like, between Maryland and Virginia? I thought it was in Virginia. Was Is it in Virginia? Bordering the states of Maryland and Virginia. Yep. I'm so smart. Y'all. That was a total guess. <laughs> I've been through, like, a little bit of Virginia, West Virginia, and then a little bit of Maryland, because I was in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. for work. But anyways... People in the area used CB radios to communicate as they scoured the surrounding areas looking for the vehicle, but they never found it. Okay. The witness report was treated as credible at first, but was later deemed questionable by police because they never found proof of the vehicle. Well, it's a little bit hard to do that when it's 1975 and you don't Mm -hmm. have a lot going for you except for the fact that you can just look around, but he's not going to come back to that same area if he was caught and yeah. seen but i don't know that was a pretty detailed description of the vehicle a beige station wagon with and they had part of the license plate number so you would think that if they saw the vehicle they would be able to find it and if people are using cb radios you know how many beige station wagons there probably were? but it had a Maryland license plate and it was in virginia well how long did it take for them to call the police about the tip as well that's a good point I have no they idea. could have taken off already mm-hmm and if they have a Maryland license plate, they might as well go back to Maryland if they were in Virginia. Yeah. Just okay. saying, they could have easily got away, really. Mm-hmm. Not saying that the police weren't doing their job. I'm just saying, like, this is 1975. Right, and it's not as quick as quick as it is now. Yeah, now, if, if somebody called in a tip right now and said, blah, 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 this license plate number, we have, there's cameras all over the U.S. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's still hard, but I feel like it'd be faster because we have so much technology. They could easily say, this license plate, there's cameras all over the place. Well, like we were, that case we were talking about before we started recording, mm-hmm. that vehicle was spotted in the town that I live in, mm-hmm. and it's 
it was spotted, but they didn't, like, police were called, but the vehicle was gone by the time the police got well, there, I know, and now but it's gone again. What I'm saying is, like, it's easily spotted now compared yeah. to when it, what it used to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and word gets around faster. Yeah, now, that's what I'm saying. To be on the lookout for the vehicle. Yeah, well, I also work right by yeah. where you live, yeah. so I really hope and pray <laughs> that they stay away from me. Yeah. I'm sure they're gone by now. I would assume so, especially yeah. if they got seen by where you live. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we can't go back there. Yeah. But it had been a couple of days, and they're still, like, kind of around the same area, which is kind of suspicious. Anyway, um, the di- the disappearance of the girls caused psychics... I can't what? talk today. <laughs> caused psychics, extortionists, and attention seekers to call, claiming they knew what happened to them. Dude, this you is know how the are. worst part of an yes. investigation, bro. I hate it. They're like, if you have any information, call this number, and then everybody's calling because they because want they attention. attention. Because they want attention. It's like, bro, the attention should be on the missing children, not you. Like, sorry you have your own issues yeah, and, and want attention, but damn. And several people called in being like hey i have the girls and i'll give them to you if you give me money okay these people just wanted money. yeah exactly one call in particular though was an anonymous male and they called in on april 4th 1975 and he demanded that john lyon who was mm-hmm. their father was to leave a briefcase with ten thousand dollars inside the annapolis courthouse restroom how much is ten thousand dollars in today's money i don't know this was in 1975 so I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess it's like 15. 15,000? Okay. Ready? Am I close? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, 10,000 in 1975 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $55,000 wow. today. Dang. That's crazy. The dollar had an average inflation rate of 3.7% per year between 1975 and today. Wow. Uh, and it's a 450 point seven six percent increase altogether wow yeah so that's crazy you said i think about fifteen thousand yeah I didn't think did you forget much. that gas was like that's 15 true. cents a gallon that's back then true. and you could get french fries from mcdonald's for a penny or some shit yeah. i don't know i wasn't there <laughs> so instead of leaving the ten thousand dollars he was told by the police to leave a hundred and one dollars in it because that was just enough to be a felony gotcha but the briefcase was never claimed the same person called John and said that there were too many cops around the courthouse and he could not retrieve the ransom payment. John said he wanted to hear the girl's voice before he would do anything else and the man never contacted him again. Yeah, probably because he didn't have the girls. Yeah, he just wanted the money. Mm-hmm. A man named Lloyd... What did I say? Lloyd. A man named Lloyd Welch called... And reported seeing the girls with a man one week after their disappearance. Okay. Later, or earlier, not later. You're just gonna, you guys are just gonna have to deal with me tripping over my words today. I don't know what's wrong. It's okay. It's a struggle bus today. Oh, good. I think it's because I drink a Red Bull and my brain is going faster than I can speak. Anyway, earlier that same day newspapers printed the description of the tape recorder man and that's when lloyd went back to the mall and told a security guard he had seen a man with the tape recorder talking to two girls and later saw him forcing the girls into the car okay but why didn't he say anything before because he was making it up oh 
Well, that makes sense. Because it was after the newspapers printed the description. Yeah. And then he went back and was like, oh, by the way. Yeah. I roll. (laughs) If you actually saw it, you wouldn't need the description. Right. Right. And this is why police keep a lot of stuff close to the chest and they don't release anything to the public until yep they get more of a lead because then people just run with it and go crazy true so montgomery county investigators were called to the mall and took lloyd to a nearby police station to interview him they gave him a polygraph test which he failed i know that doesn't mean much because you can fail it and still be telling the truth and you can pass it and be lying yeah they're not 100 percent accurate right He then told the police he had provided false information about seeing the girls and was then released by the police. So he was like, yeah, I was lying. Mm. They had a few people they had suspected had something to do with the lion sister's disappearance. First was Fred Howard Coffey. He was convicted in 1987 for beating, strangling, molesting, and murdering a 10-year-old girl in North Carolina and is serving a life sentence in a North Carolina prison. Okay, but, like, how did he do it if he was in prison? Or is he now in prison? No, he was convicted in 1987. They disappeared in 1975. Oh, shoot. Yes. Sorry. So, 12 years later. My bad. Was when he was convicted. Right, right. Sorry. My bad. No, it's okay. Police learned that he had interviewed for a job in Silver Spring, Maryland, six days after the Lion Sisters' disappearance. Silver Spring is just a short distance from the Wheaton Plaza. Okay. Investigators have not been able to determine if he is connected to the case, and he has never been charged with their disappearance. Not enough evidence. Yeah. He was just, like, one of the first people that they were like, oh, maybe he did it. Yeah. But he's already in jail, so, or prison. Right. I mean, at least he's in prison. Right. The next person we're going to talk about is Raymond Rudolph Molesky Sr., he was the second suspect that they looked at. Okay. He lived in Sweetland, Maryland in 1975, which wasn't far from the two malls in Prince George County that also had reports of a man talking right. to the girls about the recording. Um, Raymond murdered his wife and teenage son and wounded another one of their sons. Yikes. In their home in November of 1977. So just two years after the girl's disappearance. That's scary. He was convicted of the homicides of his wife and son and sentenced to 40 years in prison. He claimed to know more about the Lion sisters, but would only offer what he knew in exchange for a more suitable prison condition. Okay, then he didn't know anything. Yeah, he just... People are just trying to use it to their advantage, and that's Mm -hmm. disgusting. Well, I mean, he is already in prison, so he is a disgusting human being. Yeah. Because he murdered someone. I'm not saying everyone in prison is a disgusting human being. I mean, because he actually murdered murdered people and hurt people. I think there's a difference between being in prison or jail for, like, a petty crime and getting out and doing better things between murdering someone. You know what I mean? In my opinion... This is just my opinion. If mm. you murder somebody and you do your time or whatever and you get out of prison because mm. you've done your time, mm-hmm. you're still a murderer. Oh, no. You should never get out. You still opinion. killed somebody. You like, should never, ever, you, ever get out. 
they but should let you rot in a fucking cell for but the rest of your life. there are people who do get out. People who murder somebody and then they do their time like they're supposed yeah, to. Yeah, like Carla Homolka, she changed her name. And She's they out. they get out of prison. I'm pretty sure that's her. Or like when we covered the Junko Furuta case, all of those boys were let out of prison because they were miters at the time of the case or time of the murder. So then they're let out of prison and free. Yeah. For torturing and murdering an innocent girl. And that's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I agree. what is this? So, anyway, police searched his home but found no evidence of the sisters. Obviously. And Molesky died in prison in 2004. Good. So, yeah, he got a fatal end. The next person we're going to talk about is John Brennan Crutchley. He was an American convicted kidnapper, rapist, and suspected serial killer <laughs> who was suspected to have murdered up to 30 women but was never tried or convicted of murder. What? He was also called the vampire rapist because he drained the blood of his victims almost to the point of death while he raped them. What? <laughs> That's all I can say to that. Yeah. Nothing was ever found through him that connected him to the lion sisters but well, he, he was like a big person he murdered 30 women though right not yeah. kids women yeah suspected so it's a little bit different he was suspected it was never i don't know but I just know. specifically women were his mo i don't know how they're gonna say he was he drained the blood of his victim mm. but and but like he was never convicted for the, the murder, I don't. Well, maybe they didn't have it. enough evidence, but they knew it was him. But they didn't have the evidence to back it okay, up. Okay, yeah. That I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a whole a whole episode. The judicial on him. system is fucked. It is fucked. So over the years, many detectives worked on the girls' cold case, but by 2013, many of the detectives, like the original detectives, yeah, had retired. Oh well, yeah, I mean that's like what. 30 years later, yeah. almost? Yeah, a long time. More than 30, almost 40 years. 75 to 13. Oh. 75, yeah. 85. I don't know why I was thinking 85, 15 years. Yeah, that's years. like 38 years. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking 75 is 15 years from 2000. Oh my gosh. I don't know what was going in my brain. Anyways, continue. Yeah. <laughs> in 2013, after years of reviewing every detail of the case... Sergeant Chris Homrock ran across Lloyd Welch's statement. Okay. You remember Lloyd Welch? He was the first person we talked about. Right. He was the one that lied about seeing the girls getting shoved into somebody's car, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, he noticed that a mugshot of Lloyd roughly matched the police sketch that was created 38 years prior. There we go. 38 years. Also, a lot of times these weirdos like to be involved in the case, so it wouldn't surprise me if he had something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. From the details in the report made by Lloyd Welch, Sergeant Homrock thought that he had at least witnessed the crime happen. Okay. At the very least, he thought he knew something. Mm-hmm. At this time, Homrock was still not convinced that Molesky was innocent in this case. And in okay. Lloyd's report, he described how the man he saw walked with a limp, which lined up with Molesky. But what if Lloyd knew... Wait, is Lloyd's last name Molesky? Molesky's a different guy, right? Yes. Okay, but what if Lloyd knew Molesky and he was just trying to 
pin it on him and could say, be. oh, well, I saw the guy walk with a limp. Could be. Because he already knew he was doing bad stuff. Or maybe Molesky was just, like, in the area. That could be, too. Or and he was maybe like, they were in on it together. Yeah. You maybe. never know. Lloyd also had been convicted of child molestation at the time. Ding, ding, ding. On October 16th, 2013, they had their first interview with Lloyd Welch. They were worried that Welch wouldn't speak to them, but he talked for hours in the first interview. Sounds like a criminal to me. Sorry, Welch, they always want to talk and gloat yeah. about like all this stuff that they know because and they think was, they're never going to get caught. This was 38 years later. He's an idiot. It was cold for 38 years. Like nothing happened with this case in 38 years. So now they're interviewing Lloyd Welch. Welch had accidentally revealed the truths of the crime hidden in his elaborate lies to Detective Dan Davis. Welch's cousin, Mm -hmm. Henry Parker, told detectives in December of 2014 that in 1975, he met Welch at a property on Taylor's Mountain Road in Thaxton, Virginia. Henry said, that he helped him remove two army-style duffel bags from Welch's vehicle. Each bag weighed about 60 to 70 pounds and smelled like death, and according to And you just Welch. don't think, like, hmm, maybe I should call the police. Henry also said that the bags were covered in red stains. Hmm, another reason. Why wouldn't you just call the police? Yes. Yeah. Without knowing the contents of the bags... Henry Parker helped Lloyd Welch throw them into a fire. Here's my thing. If he would have called the police, the bones would have probably still been in the fire because it takes a long time. Bones just don't burn up in the fire. Right. It takes a while to cremate people. Right. At like 2,000 freaking degrees. Yeah. This fire ain't nothing. Like if Henry Parker would have called the police immediately and they came and looked, they would have seen the bones. Just saying. So, in February 2014, Lloyd Welch was openly named as a person of interest in the Lion Sisters case. Police said Welch, who was 18 years old in 1975... So, he's very capable of pushing around a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old girl. Mm -hmm. He had since been convicted of rapes in three other states and had been paying attention to the Lion Sisters. You remember, at the very beginning... Yep, the, the guy, guy that was, that was staring, staring at them, who was late teens, early 20s, and he was 18 at this time. Mm-hmm. You see? Mm-hmm. It's all adding up. A new lead was discovered on September 20th, 2014. Police searched the woods of Thaxton, Virginia, and entered a house in Hyattsville, Maryland. Okay. This house belonged to Welch's parents, and he had lived in the basement. Mm-hmm. Okay. In the house, they found several items that could have been connected to Catherine and Sheila. Wow. The evidence was too degraded to trace any DNA, but one room of the basement had significant evidence of blood. Even though it had been 38, 39 years later... Blood don't go nowhere. They can still do the blue light test Mm -hmm. and find traces of blood. Mm -hmm. And they did. One of the detectives used the word slaughtered to describe the scene. Yikes. Yeah. So, in July of 2015, Lloyd Welch, 
who was serving an already lengthy sentence in Delaware on a child molestation conviction, was indicted on first-degree felony murder for his alleged involvement in the deaths of Catherine and Sheila Lyon. Mm-hmm. He was also charged with abduction and intent to defile. Good, I'm glad he was charged. Yes. The location of any remains of the girls' bodies is still unknown. That's really sad. Yeah. In September 2017, Welch pleaded guilty to two counts of first-degree murder for the abduction and killing of Catherine and Sheila Lyon in 1975. Good. So that's 42 years later. He pleaded guilty. Yeah. He received two 48-year-long sentences for the two counts of first-degree felony murder he was facing. It took 42 years. 42 years. You know what? And he made a statement. He was, like, made a statement way at the beginning. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, they just thought he was just, like, a guy saying some stupid shit or whatever which is fine Um, and he was trying i mean that's crazy that's just crazy i would rather it be solved in 42 years than not solved at all you know i mean you gotta take what we can get it was a crime that long yeah it's sad for sure and he was out there walking around and who knows what else he did while he Mm -hmm. was out walking around but at the same time it's like it was 1975 they didn't have a lot of dna evidence you Mm -hmm. know it's like nobody really saw them like nobody there was no witnesses and even if there was in 1975 a lot of people were just bystanders they didn't want to get involved Mm -hmm. they were you know like all that so i'm glad that it was eventually solved even though it took 42 years yes that's really sad but i'm glad it was solved because there's many cases out there that will never ever ever be solved yeah you know it's really sad it was never said but i'm wondering if this is kind of like my my theory here. Mm-hmm. The man in the brown suit with a suitcase, I wonder if that was Molesky. It could be, and he was probably, he might have been scouting them out too, mm-hmm. but it ended up. And maybe he had a limp, and maybe that's who Lloyd Welch was talking about. Mm-hmm. And what if he was involved? He could have been involved. Yeah, I mean, he, he did murder his wife mm-hmm. and son. But also his MO was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So it's like, was he involved? His MO was a lot different. Yeah. So. I don't know. That was just, that just now, like, came to my mind. Like, yeah. I wonder if that was him. For sure. Could have been. We might, we, uh, we'll never know because Molesky's dead. Yeah. Um, but I am glad that this one was solved. After the last two episodes of The Boys on the Tracks, that, spoiler alert, if you haven't listened to it yet, it is unsolved. And so I'm glad, um, even though it took 48 years for it, um, for it to be completely solved. Yeah. It was solved. Wow. And now he'll rot away in prison for the rest of his life. Yep. Hopefully he doesn't get out. Hopefully, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, that's what we always think. But sometimes yeah. these murderers, I don't know how they get out, but they do. They so. do. Which is unfortunate. Yep. Well. I if hope you, you guys like that one. If you haven't stopped the podcast to give us a review, go do it now. Do it. It's the end of the podcast. You're about to close out anyways. If All you, you gotta do is give us a slight review. If you got this far into the episode and you go leave us a review, you could like leave a rate or leave a review. I mean, even if you do a rating, if you don't have time to do a review right now, please leave us a rating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or if you want, hard. write us a review and maybe we'll mention you in our next episode. Yeah.
Yeah. Sure. If you aren't already, follow all of our socials. It's at tcstpod at gmail.com. That's our email. That's our email. <laughs> so if you want to send us a story, go do that. Sorry. Um, but yeah, I think all our socials are tcstpod. Right? I think our, our Twitter is tcst underscore podcast. Okay. But all of the links will be in the link tree in the show notes, as well as our Patreon if you would like to check that out. There's yep. some stuff on there, some exclusive stuff on there. And I think that's it. I think that's everything so um we'll see you guys next week see ya bye